sweet listener, and welcome to another album versus album light. Today, we have sad songs that are guaranteed to make you cry, or we promise your tears back. No, that doesn't work. 100% going to make you cry, or you get your tears back guaranteed. 100% tear return guarantee. Yeah, our policy is is like Costco. You can... <laughs> You can return at any time. My name is Lucas, and with me, my supple co-host, Kale Judy. Hello, everybody. All right, so what we've done today is we've both brought four songs that we believe are tear jerkers, are emotional minds that you can step on and have explode all over your heart. That's exactly right, Lucas. We... Uh, decided to provide you with another light episode, similar to our Sleepy Time episode. This is one where we are not debating records, but we are bringing you a mixtape, if you will, of songs that are going to put you in a, a weepy mood, but in the best way, in the way that you want to be. Yes, and you know, if you're already already feeling sad about something, this is a great thing to just put on, and it'll just it'll just help you really wallow in that misery. And sometimes that's a great feeling. Isn't that the truth? Like when you're feeling sad, like really sad, sometimes you just want to wallow. Like you want to put on that record just to make the the cuts feel even deeper. Well, and why would there be so much wonderful sad music if that wasn't true? If we didn't love it, people wouldn't make so much of it. That's a very good point. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to start us off because uh, the first song on our sad playlist, which what's our playlist called? Songs to Make You Cry. Ah, that's perfect. That's perfect. The first song I chose is a song that when, when people have asked me the question before, what's the saddest song ever? This has been a song that's always popped in my head over the years. And not that that question comes up a lot, but when it does, I am always ready for it. So the song I chose, my first offering is Sufjan Stevens' Casimir Pulaski Day. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but the name of the song is based on a local holiday that takes place in Illinois, which makes sense because it's off the album Come On Feel the Illinois, which I, I think might just be called Illinois. I'm not sure. Is it called? Do you know? Uh, it's a good question. Technically, the album is just called Illinois. But uh, yeah. come on, the technical full name, I believe, is Sufjan Stephen invites you to semicolon, come on and feel the Illinois. Ah, wonderful. Well, Casimir Pulaski Day is a, a holiday that happens on the first Monday of March every year. And it just honors a man who was a war cavalry officer and he's Polish. So it's a big uh, sort of Polish holiday. Um, the song deals with... I think some true stories from the man's childhood, Sufjan Stevens' childhood, and it's about a friend, a young male whose girlfriend or friend that's a girl that he's got romantic interest in uh, has cancer. And it's just, you know, the idea that for some people, youth is the twilight of their life. That's very sad and scary, but really I think I can sum it up with the line uh, that really sums up a lot of Sufjan Stevens' career in my personal opinion, but... He's talking about a Bible study, and it says, um, Tuesday night at the Bible study, we lift our hands and pray over your body, but nothing ever happens. At the Bible study, we lift our hands and pray over your body, but nothing ever happens. And 
isn't that just the battle of being a person who has faith, having your faith uh, tested, uh, having the rubber of life meet the road of, I guess, the rubber of your faith meet the road of life, and just really being challenged when nothing happens when you pray. So I've always thought this is a very sad song, but has some beautiful parts to it. Do you, So I, and I am curious, Lucas, do you feel like the, the sadness in the song is the the sediment do you think it's it's the connection to faith that makes it feel sad like what like when we talked about this concept what made this song come to mind for you well i think the song is kind of like a culmination of many things you know he's very the song's very innocent because i think there's a part about him kissing the girl and her being upset that her dad found out they kissed there's um a parent breaking down finding out that his dad's got cancer the music is very simple on this album, but Illinois is a very big album with a lot of strings and uh, horn sections. And the song just breaks down to mostly acoustic vocals and a little bit of uh, uh, trumpets and stuff. But it's melodic. Everything just kind of works together to just make this very sad and, and, and very sad because I think it's told from an innocent perspective. The innocent perspective and you're, you are being presented the perspective, but in a weird way, you're also seeing the other side of it where you can see how the innocence is being presented in a way that feels, you kind of want, like want him to pull the curtains back a bit more. Do you feel like that's part of it? Totally. Yeah, totally. And I think it's interesting that he doesn't really lay the story out very clearly. It's just kind of like little snippets of it. So you kind of piece it together yourself. So I can't help as a listener, but to just put myself in it and, and put my own life experiences into that, song which is something i admire about Stephen stevens that a lot of his music he can do that so no i hear you man and i i like this song a lot too i I thought it was cool when you played it for me earlier because the song like this record the the illinois record is the one i definitely know the most and i remember seeing sufian play um like a church in downtown vancouver back in 2006 when this came out yeah and I remember him playing this live and this is definitely a standout track from the record. And I think you're right. There's like a very bitter, there's a, an intense bittersweetness to the song. When I saw Sophie Stevens live, I was at Richards on Richards, the tour before the one you saw him on. Um, I barely knew this record. I would just gotten it. And so this was the song I remember him playing the most because of just everyone in the building, everyone in the room was quiet and, and I heard all the lyrics and I, it just right then it made an impression on me. So it's always stuck with me. And that's neat that it's one that still comes to mind as one that's sad or can get you emotional. And in a way, it sounds like not to armchair, um, be your armchair psychologist, but it sounds like it also takes you back to a previous place in your life when you thought about things in a different way. Because it certainly reminds me of how I thought about things or maybe approached things when I was like 18, 19 as a good Christian boy. Totally. Well, good choice. That's a great opener for our first uh, our first sad song. Songs it's to make you sad. cry. Bittersweet, but not. It's not going to uh, get you weepy. You're just, you're just getting the old uh, sad tongue wet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, track two, Lucas, is uh, was a choice of mine. So, I picked the opening track from the Boatman's Call, 
and I'm very excited. This is the first time on the pod we're talking about Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Ooh. And we're talking about Into My Arms. Quite the track. The opening lines have always stood out to me. I don't believe in an interventionist God, but I know, darling, that you do. But if I did, I would kneel down and ask him not to intervene when it came to you. I don't believe in an interventionist God. I know, darling, that you do. Nick Cave has been doing a very, very cool project called The Red Hand Files. He just sent out issue 132 today, where he talks about this song. And what The Red Hand Files is, anyone, you, I, like anybody, can go and submit a question to him and very likely he's going to read it and then he chooses whether or not to answer it um, on this website and if you're signed up to the website you also get an email when he answers a question that's so cool it's so cool dude and so he's answered all kinds of questions about grief about creativity about his past as a musician about life now as a musician and someone wrote today it was a, a very long question but they talked about their experience of listening to the Bowman's Call which is the record that Into My Arms is the opening track of, and how they took a kind of deep, they took deep solace in it and had a deep appreciation for it. And this woman says she remembers when the record came out that Nick Cave said he was disgusted by certain elements of the record and she didn't understand what he meant back then. But 20 years later, she's experienced love, pain, adventure, and she said listening to his new piano versions of it on his latest record, Idiot Prayer, um, she gets where he's coming from, but she was curious about what made him feel disgusted by it when it came out. And he gives a long answer, and he talks about essentially when the Boatman's Call came out, he felt like he had exposed too much of himself. He felt that they were hyper-personal songs, and he felt they seemed indulgent or self-serving. And most of the songs he'd done before that were these like almost short stories, these narrative songs. He hadn't really done autobiographical songs before. And at the time, I believe this was the record that he wrote when he was, I want to say, dating PJ Harvey, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he had a, a, a calamitous breakup, and that led to this record, which is very sad, all on piano, and it is like the definition of a breakup record. It's one that just like grips you, like takes your heart and just puts it into a vice-like grip. I remember him playing this live. Uh, you were at the same concert on the, uh, was it Skeleton Key Tour, or was it? Skeleton Tree. Skeleton Tree, sorry, Skeleton Tree tour. And I remember he, he played this song and it was still, it still felt like real in that moment, you know? It still felt like he was still singing it and thinking of that person. So he, uh, I do want to read the last line that he wrote in this uh, response to this question. So he said, Thank you, Alina, for your very sweet story. Funnily enough, because she said she was always, she could never quite decipher what he meant by the opening line. And he said, Funnily enough, I am still trying to work out what the first line of Into My Arms actually means. It's a slippery fish, and like many good lines, difficult to hang on to, as elusive and deceptive as time itself. Wow, that guy's really got a way with words, hey? He sure does. Into my arms, oh Lord, into my arms, oh Lord. 
So next up we have If We Were Strangers um, from Northcote. Uh, and this is from Northcote's 2009 record, Borrowed Chords, Tired Eyes, which I believe was his first record as Northcote. Uh, Matt Good, not the Matt Good of uh, Matthew Good Band, but Matt Good of Northcote, uh, was originally in a punk rock and roll band called Means. And this was his first record as a solo artist. And If We Were Strangers is the second track off that record. And he put a new record out um, in 2020. And it's great. I would definitely recommend going to check out Let Me Roar. But I have to say that the record from 2009, Bar Chords Tired Eyes, is still my favorite record he's put out. And If We Were Strangers is a great example of why. Like That song just... Oh man! Yeah, I think it's 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 probably my favorite song of his. Would you say this is your favorite song of his too? I think so. A lot of his songs have this high energy that, uh, you know, no diss. It just kind of has like that like high energy, and it's mostly acoustic. So it's kind of got that like, if you're not in the mood for it, it's kind of got like a dashboard vibe. Now that's kind of a diss. I don't mean it really bad. I just mean it's kind of got a juxtaposition to it, the uh, a dissonance in the like vibe that I got to be in the right mood for it. And when I'm in the right mood for it, you can sing along and belt along with it, you know? But this is a very, like, tender song for him. I think I think you're right, Lucas. And I don't know what was happening in his life at this time, but I feel like in Borrowed Chords, Tired Eyes, he, he strikes this note really nicely on, on quite a few of the songs, but I think he rings completely true in this song. And it's mournful, the... The, the guitar, I, I think there might be a little bit of lap steel in this song, too. It's very sad. And, like, when he comes in with, what if we never met? What if we were strangers? If I saw you at a distance, would you have anything to say? And the whole thing just, it just aches. You know, like, this song just aches, dude. Mm. And, and even now, it, it has all the potency of when I heard it years ago. And I and I think Matt's newer work is is really strong. Uh, I do think he's leaned a lot more into a, a sort of more of a positive mindset, which I think is great. And he has some songs like Gather No Dust is amazing. I really love his self-titled record as well. Um, and I think North Let Me Roar is really strong, but there are a few songs on Let Me Roar that I feel. Um, and maybe I, I'm a bit like this. Like I can sometimes lean into positivity too much. And I feel like sometimes that's what some of those songs do. And I feel like on... You know, if we were strangers, he's just he's letting the the darkness in, but not in a way where he's glorifying it. He's just acknowledging it. I think that's something. Yeah, letting it in, noticing it, reflecting yeah. on it, you know, learning from it. And there's a great line in this song that I remember the first time I heard it, I, I caught it. And I I caught it again today when I listened to your choices. I was like, oh, yeah, that line. Uh, sorry, I'm totally stealing your your line thing here. So if no, I'm, please. he says, when autumn arrives, I'll go out singing, and with each line, we'll go longing. And this this part for someone to come, and I think it's, it's beat my demons, right? For someone to come, when autumn arrives, I'll go out singing, and with each line, we'll go longing for someone to come and be my demons. It's be so my I demons, could, right? So I could, and be my demons, so I could give but not expect to be repaid. That, I just love that line. For someone to come and be my demon so I could give, but not expect to be repaid. It's great. It's a great line. Almost, like, do you think he's saying in that line that he's expecting 
like he wants someone to be a demon so he doesn't have to f- expect love back from them. Do you think that's what he's saying there? I guess so. I don't know. It's just like th- the way that I always thought it was beat my demons, so I just learned it isn't. It's such a complex. It's kind of what uh, Nick Cave said. It's like I don't know, but that's why I love it. It it it, uh, it makes me feel something. I I really like the line, and this is again more of a Canadian geographic thing. But I know Matt is from Saskatchewan and has also spent time on Vancouver Island. And the line, seen the left coast and the east skies, and there was a ripple in our reflection. And I like oh. how he sometimes juxtaposes the west coast with the prairies, and I just think he does it in such. He does it in such a subtle way here, but I really love it. And you must relate because you have both in in your blood as well. Oh yeah, man! I got sea salts and wheat. You know, wheat in my in my blood. It's all in there. So, Lucas, tell me about our next uh, song on the playlist. Okay, here. well, this has been a um, this album by Beck. It's called Sea Change. Has been an institution in my life. It's his eighth album, you know. But at this point. I I liked Beck, but I wasn't, you know, I liked certain songs and I listened to his albums, but I was kind of over him. But this album, uh, from the opening chord to, to the last line of the album, I love the entire album. But this one, just for some reason, is always uh, the opening song, which is called Golden Age. And then this song, Guess I'm Doing Fine. It's, it's always just hit me on this chord of like, man, a big breakup sucks. The theme is very similar, like with the Nick Cave record. The album's all about a breakup that just gutted him. I mean, almost every song is about it. But it was different for Beck. You know, he'd done some acoustic stuff, uh, and he'd done some of his, I don't know what you what he used to call, like his um, hip-hop mixed with, like, folk, you know, in the early 90s stuff, like Loser and all that. I don't really, because i got to be honest, this is one where it's interesting to me, because I know Beck is huge. And I know we have talked about Beck over the years, but I don't really know. The only Beck album, ironically, I really know that well is Morning Phase from 2014. It's a spiritual sequel to Sea Change. It's it's basically like Sea Change Part 2. Okay. Because I I like it, but like I don't know Odelay and I don't know One Foot in the Grave or Mellow Gold or Midnight Vultures. Like I don't don't really have a lot of that context. but But this cover is iconic. Like looking at... The, with this sort of like almost pseudo face paint on it. Like I definitely remember seeing this around a lot, but I don't know this. So any, a little context would be great. He's a beautiful man on the front of this record. He's a good looking man on this record. Yeah. So all those records you just mentioned are all before this. So he'd had a lot of big hits and this was totally like no hits on it. Someone doing something they weren't expected to do. And the song Guess I'm Doing Fine, it's sort of is the most indulgent of breakup songs on the record uh, you know no sampling on this record really most of his albums are lots of sampling and like electronic beats but this one is almost all done with uh, uh, orchestral backing acoustic guitars drums bass like really really stripped down for him yeah a very large production uh, produced by Nigel Godrich who did like a bunch of radiohead and stuff I think we've talked about him before oh his name has come up so was he did he get introduced to did Beck connect with him through radiohead or? I'm not sure I think he worked with him before but you know just just this was a time when Nigel Godrich was really like pumping out hits oh, um, I got you so the chorus lyrics 
It's only lies that I'm living. It's only tears that I'm crying. It's only you that I'm losing. Guess I'm doing fine. That part, the way Beck sings that, you kind of picture like the girl he's singing to is like sitting in front of him as he's singing it. All the battlements are empty, and the moon is laying low. Yellow roses in the graveyard got no time to watch them grow. Hmm. You know, in grade eight, I probably would have read those out in my English class. When they said, you know, bring a poem that you love tomorrow, that would have been my poem I brought. How do you think the poetry holds up now? It's like I said, I, I, it feels pretty indulgent, but I like I still love this song. Even listening to it today again, I was like, man, I hope I never, ever experience this ever again in my life. I... And honestly, I think that's part of what happens with lyrics, you know, is you if you read them sequestered away from the actual song, sometimes they can be over the top. Like I was listening to uh, Night Moves by Bob Seger. And if you like you just broke the lyrics out of Night Moves, very cheesy. But then you hear it in the song and it's it I'm not a huge Seger fan, but it's that's an undeniable song. And I think listening to this similarly like the yellow roses might be a little maybe someone could say they're a little on the nose but yeah. uh, it's it's if, but I think Beck is he convinces you and the reason because I think the whole idea of a breakup record when it's done well it's amazing it can be like some people would probably argue that some artists breakup records are like I would say Beck is an example where Sea Change is probably in the top two or three records that he's done that probably most people would say are their favorite. But if you don't nail the breakup record, then like, it's not remembered well. Yeah. It's a poorly done breakup record. It's kind of one of those things you you have to be going through it to be able to write the right stuff, I think. So it has to be real for you. Mm -hmm. And I think when, when you're kind of like trying to be a tourist there, I think people can notice, you know? Yeah. I just, I still love this whole album, but this is just for me a song that I've always just, like, even the line, guess I'm doing fine. It's, it's a little bit emo, you know? How you doing, man, since a breakup? Oh, I guess I'm doing fine. <laughs> just, I've always loved it. It's, it's that extra few minutes of just reveling in the sadness. So your next choice, man, this was a big surprise for me. I, this was a new one for me, too. So I was, I was going to ask you, Lucas, were you familiar with Ceremony at all before I put them on this list? I'm not sure. It, when I saw their, when I listened to the top few songs, I, like, I was like, oh, I think I know these songs, but in no way like that I'd say like, oh yeah, I like that panda. I have an opinion, but man, this, this is a cool song. This song is an interesting one because Ceremony is a, they're considered a post-punk band. This record came out in 2015 on Matador. It's called The L-Shaped Man. Ceremony in their in their first few records, they had the, the record previous to this was called Zoo. They had an album called Ronette Park uh, before that. And they were a Southern California, like, hardcore band. They were, like, considered, I think, uh, thrash metal in the first couple records. Their vocalist and lead songwriter, Ross Ferrer, wrote uh, a breakup record with this album. And each record, Ceremony, I would say, is probably one of the most... The, the only other band I could think of that's done as significant a musical change them is maybe The Horrors from their kind of like goth crypt rock and roll to 
the more like atmospheric Brit pop that they kind of shifted into later. Uh, this record uh, was is very Joy Division, New Order influence, especially really leaning into that post punk sound. They, they yeah, that was my first down. thought when you, when you when I listened. I was like, this sounds like Joy Division, like in their prime sound. Totally. It's like it's it's. I would say if you're a fan of Joy Division, this is the most modern day logical equivalent to Joy Division that you're gonna find, and. You know, it, it, it had mixed to positive reviews when it came out, but I think this is a phenomenal record. It's it's a tough record. It's it's emotionally heavy, but I think the blend of in this when Joy Division were at their best too, when they combined sort of this despair and heaviness with some melody and a couple hooks, and I think that's what is going on in your life in France. The opening lyrics are: "You remember sitting inside the cafe, selfishly aware of things you couldn't change." Edith was buried down the same street. Give your heart and soul to me. And that's good. The I'd say like the I'm not sure if it's the bridge or the chorus, but it's like people you like. There's like a refrain of people you loved, places you saw, portions are gone, and then that's repeated over and over. And Ross Ferrar is also he uh, is a bit of a poet. He went to. A master's program for for poetry as well, but I know wow, very very important to this dude, which is not something you would maybe typically consider someone who comes from like a hardcore sort of like thrash background, but very talented writer, very interesting writer, and I think to me this is one of his best songs. And this song, it's one that I it's one that I enjoy listening to, but definitely makes me feel sad. It's funny because when we were doing this list. I wanted so badly to put Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division on the list because I've always just loved that song, but it just, it, weirdly, that song makes me happy. I don't know. It doesn't make me feel sad. Uh, but this kind of uh, satiated that need, you know? It kind of pushed that button for me. So it's it's like you knew, but you didn't. Buddy, that's what we're here for, just to push each other's buttons, you know? Mm-mm-mm. Uh, yeah, really cool choice, man. Really, uh, I'd say this is this would be my uh, the surprise of the bunch for me. Thanks, man. Yeah, I I would say if you're if you're intrigued by it, I would check out uh, more of the record. If I would say though that if you dig into Ceremonies discography pre or post this, this is the only record that sounds quite like this. Zoo similar, but uh, if you go to later records like the last record they put out, um, also really cool called In the Spirit World, um, a record that came out in 2019. It's like a punk dance record, which is also really cool. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a cool band. One worth uh, spending a little time with. Well, I'm looking forward to d- digging deeper. So, tell me about your next pick. Uh, I'm very, uh, I was very pleased to see this song on here. Julian Baker obviously writes 95% sad songs and 95% awesome songs. They're just she, she's got a voice, she's got a sound, and she nails it. Uh, this song is special to me because it's the first song I ever heard by her. I was listening to an episode of a podcast called All Songs Considered. This would be, I don't know, six years ago. And they just played this song called Something. And right away I gravitated towards it because it kind of had that, the glory days of like high school emo, you know? The, the vocals that are cracking a bit, you're, you're singing loud and the lyrics are just, what's more relatable than than someone walking away and you wishing you'd said something. You know, she's she's put out some great music, uh, her next album, and also, you know, with Boy Genius. She's I don't think she's going away anytime soon. But her debut album, 
it's just very special to me. The whole thing, it's very nostalgic towards a time in my life uh, that even though it's sad, like breaking up in high school or your early loves being unrequited, it's um, it's weird. There's there's some nostalgia for it for some weird reason, you know? Uh, so yeah, so Sprained Ankle, her first record I highly suggest, but specifically this song something i just love the way these picked guitars kind of loop around and 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 circle around this just heartbroken voice even if she sings lines that aren't that sad she just sounds like she's sad she just she knows it you know or she's very good at faking but i don't believe that's what it is because what is it because there is something like she writes mostly sad songs and they're so captivating in a way that most musical artists can't pull off like how is she doing that i don't know that's her thing that's her talent you know mm-hmm. i think part of it is she invites it's it's very personal but not so much like the nick cave thing we were talking about she can paint it a bit like some of these lines here i just let your silence swallow me up the ring in my ears tastes like blood asking aloud why are you leaving but i know you won't answer me you know the lines before the line before is about uh i, I just let the parking lot swallow me up uh asking aloud why are you leaving but the pavement won't answer me just this idea in this song that she's frustrated because she's she repeats the line you know i should have said something 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 i couldn't find something to say so i just said nothing 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 and i sat and watched you drive away and i gotta tell you i think i tried to write this song about a hundred times uh in my early years as a songwriter because this is it just sums up that feeling so well of of feeling powerless and then later knowing you know mm-hmm. that's where i screwed up right in that moment like you can go back and you can picture you're like oh that that was it i should have i, I fucked up there it's unhealthy because you're like you shouldn't just go back and relive this moment but for some reason boy it feels so good to go there sometimes <laughs> Yeah, like you're almost revisiting that. Like you're revisiting that pain. And what do you think it is that feels good about that? Do you think it's because you're you're able to revisit an old version of yourself in a very visceral way, in a very tangible way? You know, when you have like a cut in your mouth, you just can't stop like licking it or like if you have a bruise, you can't stop just like poking it a little bit. Mm. Uh, it's like that thing of like, I just you're alive, you feel alive. And then uh, I think the other thing is it's safe to revisit now. It wasn't safe before, but now it's safe to revisit because now you've learned you're older. And maybe, maybe there's something about just going there emotionally, but not physically and all that is there's something maybe a little bit, uh, it's like forbidden, you know, you shouldn't, but when you do, there's party that's like, I'm alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can feel I'm human. There was a time in my life where I felt things this powerfully. And Julian Baker does it in a way where it doesn't feel like exploitative of that feeling, you know, like it feels very, I feel like she plants you like a good writer does like in the moment of that feeling rather than oh, like we should go, let's go revisit this memory together. It's like you, she conveys like that moment of that, of you feel like she takes you to that place in a way that like this is six years ago. So she's young, you know, I don't know. I don't know how old she is now, but one quick side note before we move on to, to your next pick here that I think is interesting with Julian Baker too is she played – there was a supergroup she had with Phoebe Bridgers and Lucy Dacus called Boy Genius and they toured Vancouver. And it was interesting because they they all played every 
artist in Boy Genius played a set, and then they did a Boy Genius set at the end. And Julian Baker was a headliner. But what's so interesting is that were they to do that same tour now, Phoebe Bridgers would 100% be the headliner. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I know she has a new record coming out um, at the end of February, which is very yeah, exciting. Very soon. Um, so, I, think, I think part so, of it is that Phoebe Bridgers did just make a Brad album more recently. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. And also, I think Phoebe Bridgers has a little more dynamic. So her live show, her music in general, just has a little more energy to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like sometimes you're just not in the mood for sad songs about not doing the right thing when you should have. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. As popular as those major. And also Turn Out the Lights came out in 2017, which is already, I guess, now four years ago. So. Yeah. So she she's due. She's so due. Julian, Julian, we know you're listening. Good luck with the new record. Good luck with the new record, Julian. We're proud of you. Yeah, and <laughs> this next one, there's a couple weird things about this. We'll save the uh, weird thing that happened today about this song. But my next choice and my final choice of the playlist is John Lennon from his solo career song Mother. It is almost a difficult song to listen to because it's very personal. For a man who is so famous and household known, uh, this is a real look into his heart and soul and pain uh you know without getting too much into the biography of john lennon you know his mom uh famously uh her name is julia and the song julia by her hymn is about her it's a beautiful song she and her and john had a relationship but he died when she was 17 in a car accident He, he was not raised by her and his dad was not around i think basically after he was like a like a infant basically a baby the opening line mother you had me but i never had you which is that could be enough i don't need to say much more you know Mm -hmm. heart-wrenching line father you left me but i never left you i needed you you didn't need me so it's basically a song called mother but he sort of confronts both of his parents in one and he has said apparently live he said this once that it's not just about his parents it's about 99% 99% of the parents alive or dead or half dead. So it's, he's saying it's about all parents ever. But at the ending, he starts singing the line, Mama, don't go. Daddy, come home. And by the end of it, he's basically screaming the lyrics, which is something not very characteristic of John Lennon, also not very characteristic of music for another, I don't know, 10 years after the song was released. It's actually part of his uh, therapy. He was doing a type of therapy called primal therapy where you scream uh, out your emotions or something along those lines. So you can really hear him processing it as he's singing it, which is just difficult, uh, uneasy, but also just rad, just that he gave him so much of himself. Even so late in his career, John Lennon still could do it, you know? Totally. And and the fact that he's willing to go to a place like that, like you got to imagine who's, whoever his producer was, the pr- person working with him on it was not encouraging this weird, super intense song. Even now, listening to the song today, I'm, uncomfortable listening to the last part of the song it's not a song you just put on while you're having a glass of wine and you know chilling after work like it's a song that demands something of you no it's yeah it's almost like you really need to want to and what's really interesting about this is that uh there's there's a lot of songs in the record the original record i think there's like 11 or 13 or something but it's the opening song that's what i was gonna ask you it's the opening song of plastic Ona band and it's 
five and a half minutes and it's there's only one other song in here that's longer it's track eight well 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 which is on the flip side and then god's pretty long too but what an opener is that like do you think that's part of john Lennon being like okay like you're gonna be if you get through this you'll like the rest of the record but you have to like it's a ballsy move man and you know interesting too, ringo star played drums on that song which is very interesting to me did he yeah did he really hey ringo i've got a song for you to play that's my john lennon i guess what's hey, yeah. it john is this song about your mother <laughs> um <laughs> probably bad jokes to make but such a testament to a guy who's like you know he's almost too famous and he still could make stuff like this where he was just bearing himself out to everyone else and a song that's so painfully personally openly about his strange strained relationship with his his mom and yeah that's yeah. wild it's it's you're really true and it's like we can't cannot make light of the fact that that's part of it you know like yeah I'm, I'm sorry if it was offensive what i said before i just i really like trying to do english accents well dude it's not no no not offensive at all but like this came out in 1970 like this was what five years after four years after some of the biggest albums of that have ever existed yeah it's near the end of his like songwriting career you know i think he put out some other stuff after this but yeah pretty wild the man is uh prolific in every sense of the word and a very interesting thing about this song kale is today i discovered a david bowie cover of this song which is a perfect segue to your final choice your final closing number of our songs to make you cry volume one by the way oh yes hopefully indeed. indeed that was crazy because i sent you this song and said this is my first pick for the playlist and it's a cover so david bowie's birthday is january 8th and on his birthday this year there was a seven inch released of two covers that he did and i forgot one of the covers but the cover that i'm in love with is the last song on our mix called trying to get to heaven which is a cover of bob dylan's song of the same name i did not know that the other cover he did was mother which is crazy because i it came on today. I listened to your song and track two just played, and I was like, what? So we got to watch our backs because I think the Illuminati is closing in on us. Yeah, man. We're getting too close to the truth. <laughs> too close to so the truth. So tell me why you chose the song because I actually, I've heard the Bob Dylan song. It's not a stand-up Bob Dylan track for me, but I loved, like, this for, I loved listening to this today. I was like, I got to listen to more David Bowie. Honestly, I had the exact same feeling because I... I am not super familiar with David Bowie. I have been familiar with some of his hits over the years. I know him from Labyrinth as the villain. <laughs> I, oh, boy. You know, you, stuffed pants in the Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Young Americans is one, one record of his that I know pretty well. Uh, but my iPod had his greatest hits on it for, for years. And I put it on and I was like, oh, yeah, these are all like great songs. Like, you know let's dance and you know all that kind of good stuff but i've always had this feeling of wanting to have a deep dive with bowie and never uh have never done it yet but i, I think, think, we, I think this is like a sign that we need to do that together I think this is a sign that we need to we need to both just fall face first into a pool of bowie oh, sounds lovely 
So Trying to Get to Heaven is a 97 cover he did, and it, originally he did it for a Bob Dylan covers compilation that ended up never coming to fruition. Similarly with Mother, he did that cover for a different uh, compilation that didn't come out. Both those songs sat in his uh, vault, and for his birthday this year, they said, hey, we're going to release both of these songs. So I heard Trying to Get to Heaven, and when Bo when David Bowie died... I almost said John Lennon. When David Bowie died, really hit me. Like, it was also just so insane with his last record coming out. Yeah, the timing was really yeah, ominous. The timing was really ominous. Like, what it was called, uh, like, Black Star. Like, I think he, yeah. he knew it was his last record. And a lot of the the subject matter and everything, it's it's like well, still one that I want to spend time with. Like, I haven't properly gotten into that record, but it's pretty it, crazy. It's, it's, it's like musically a little bit difficult, that record. There's some rad songs, but there's some stuff that's like, whoa, that's a very experimental big band sound I've never heard before. It's like he's really making you contend with it. So this song, I feel, is just pure ecstasy in a way, but in a sad way. Like when I hear him sing these lyrics... So the, the, here's a stanza that's, that sums it up really well, uh, written by Bob Dylan. You broke a heart that loved you. Now you can seal up the book and not write anymore. I've been walking that lonesome valley, trying to get to heaven before they close the door. And when I hear the song, I just picture, it's so eerie to me to hear David Bowie from 97 singing these lyrics, knowing that he's passed on and knowing that he had all this time where he was, he was aware of his incoming death. And to think that he sung the song where he was trying to get to heaven before they closed the door, it, it just makes me think about mortality in a way that I just am not drawn to very often in music. And it, uh, it gets me, man. It gets me in the, the kahunis. Yeah, man, me too. It's, even just seeing trying to get to heaven with the name David Boy below, below it is, is uh, you feel something. It's interesting, too. Like, we started off with a song about a young girl fighting cancer. Interesting. We didn't plan that either. Are That's, we more genius than we even know? <laughs> Which is, I think we might be. I think that means people got to subscribe and, uh, you know, read the podcast. And, uh, and remember, uh, you know, if these songs don't make you cry, we give t t your tears back guaranteed. Full tier refund. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kale, this was a lot of fun. I really uh, d didn't expect to enjoy it so much. I know what you mean. Hopefully, the listener enjoyed it too, as much as they might be feeling a little emotional. You know? Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, just grab that tissue, blow your nose, and uh, crank up Trying to Get to Heaven by David Bowie. Uh, it's been a real pleasure, folks. Thanks for spending this time with us. We hope you had a few tears and a few laughs. And uh, we'll see you next time on Album versus Album. Okay.